I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All of the good we did, it doesn't matter. What does matter is that to them, justice was done. See, a just world is a sane world. There was nothing sane about Chernobyl. The score for HBO's Chernobyl brings a haunting feel to the limited series about the 1986 nuclear disaster. Earning 19 Emmy nominations, including Outstanding Limited Series and Direction, Chernobyl also delivered the first Emmy nomination to Icelandic composer Hildur Gutnachdottner. To capture the experience of Chernobyl, she actually recorded sounds at a power plant in Lithuania, where much of the filming took place. Today, she talks with us about that experience and the score. Additionally, she discusses her work on upcoming project Joker. I'm Carolyn Jardina. Welcome to The Hollywood Reporter's Behind the Screen. Welcome and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much. What attracted you to this Chernobyl project? That's a huge question. Well, first of all, I just felt like these events were really important to bring into the world today because I think it felt like maybe, you know, young people weren't maybe like very aware of what had happened. And um, it feels like today, you know, with climate change and all the dangers that we're seeing because of energy um, consumption and use and production. I think it's important to remember such events and to, you know, learn from what history has taught us. So I thought that was, first of all, like really important. And second of all, I um, when this first came up, it, it just felt like a really exciting sound world to be working within because I imagined that this sort of like radioactive power plant sound environment was uh, really exciting to me. And then I read the script and I felt like, you know, it was it was so incredibly well written and I just really strongly related to how it was being written. And um, so I, I felt a strong connection to that way of storytelling and I felt a strong connection to my sort of curiosity of what the sound world could be and the story that was being uh, told. So it was from the very beginning, like a really interesting project to me on on basically every single level. Now, much of the project was filmed at a power plant in Lithuania. And as I understand, you incorporated sounds that you recorded there into the score. Would you elaborate on your approach to the score? 
Yes. Yeah. As I said, it was just like, it was a, lo- a large part, like, you know, my curiosity of like, wow, I wonder what it sounds like to live something like this. I wonder what it sounds like to be in a space like this. And I wonder what this sort of danger feels like and, and sounds like. And I wonder how, you know, how is it possible to turn that into music? Like, how is it possible to turn this dangerous character that the radiation is in the series? Like, how can I... You know, because it's, it's an element that we don't see, but it's an element that we feel very strongly. So I felt that that was an element that the music could do a lot for. And it felt like it was important to me that that element was rooted in reality and that it wasn't like fictional sound. Like, so I didn't want to write that sound for strings or drums or, you know, any any traditional instrument. So I felt that it was important that the actual space had the say in how that sounded. So I went there to record and it was a really fantastic and inspiring process and, and just really unbelievably inspiring to go into this environment and, and experience what it is to be inside this sort of space because it's so humongous but it's so claustrophobic at the same time and it's, it's it's a very specific type of space you know these turbine holes are just so enormous and these corridors just go on forever they're like kilometers and kilometers long so I went in there to record the sounds that I felt like the, the space was wanting to share with me <laughs> and my ears <laughs> so what were some of the sounds that you recorded that you incorporated into the score Right. So I spent a lot of time just recording the rooms. So like it's called like room tones. So like, you know, the hums that the rooms make. It was also like important to me that I didn't go in there and make the space do any sounds that I wanted it to do. Like I didn't want to go in there and slam doors or bang on anything. Like I, I wanted to listen to the space as what it was like by itself. So I didn't tamper with any of those like early recordings. So like room tones and machinery that was just like humming on its own. And then there were all these, you know, fascinating sounds that I just like, I had no idea that uh, that they even existed. <laughs> like my favorite solo instrumentalist of the score was like this door that was leading to an engine room next to the pump room that just had like this this uh, symphony of sounds going on. But they were all mostly like very, very high pitched. So I, I had to go digging or digging, <laughs> scratching very high up to, to get them down to an audible range. But there was this drummer that was almost like a jazz drummer just going about his business playing like a, a 24-7 jazz drum solo with, with fill-ins and breaks, for example, which was one of my favorite uh, favorite sounds and really one of the most musical sounds. And in that door as well were some of the um, melodic hooks is what I like to refer them to. So there were like melodic elements that I used to weave into melodies and that I then expanded into the more kind of musical cues. They, they started out with like these little hooks coming from this door, for example. What tools did you use to record and compose the score? There weren't any traditional instruments used. And instead, I spent a lot of time just making instruments out of these sounds that I found. So that was kind of... One of the most time-consuming parts of the process was to take these sounds and make them into musical instruments that, that, that could then like play these parts. And then I also like took some of the spaces like the turbine hole and the reactor hole and made what is called like an impulse response out of each 
space. So the kind of the strongest musical, um, traditional musical element in the square, which was my voice, was then played back into the actual spaces with use of these impulse response reverbs. So the space could actually like color the voices in those musical pieces. So there was always a connection to the space and the music. And what was the experience like to record there? Um, Obviously, you had to wear some safety gear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we basically just, we looked exactly like the people in the series in this white clothing with the hats. And it was just like all these nuances of being in a daily environment, like, you know, in a space like this, that's just so foreign to you. Like the people that spend their whole lives there, you know, their whole working day inside there, who are also all wearing this exactly the same white clothes. You know, it's, it's just so wonderful to get to know their day-to-day life you know for example how they let their personality shine through is like how they wear the hat you know some people wear the hat like a little bit you know facing a little bit to the front others a little bit to the back is that somehow like the amount of personality that they have to work with within these uniforms and it was just like it was really wonderful um, experience to get to know the personalities of the people that spend their days there. As I understand it you actually had to leave some of your equipment behind is that correct? Yes, yeah. Apparently some cables were dangerously uh, radiated, (laughs) so we couldn't take all of the cables out with us. But um, I think we were fine. I think we managed to escape the worst (laughs) radiation. We're going to listen to a few of your cues. Let's start with the door. Well, yeah, the door was... um that was uh, very inspired by exactly this, this door that I talked about that was leading up to an engine room that was next to the pump room. So... We kind of stumbled upon this door completely by accident because we were actually trying to record the pump room and we had to plug in some of the equipment to record and we didn't have any electricity plugs available because all the electricity was from the Soviet era so it didn't work (laughs) with our gear. So we were just standing around waiting for an engineer to make electricity available to us. So we, um, as we were waiting, we stumbled upon this door that we then recorded and, and was the inspiration for a lot of tracks. Let's move on to the next one. Would you tell us about the cue called Bridge of Death? Yes. So that was the first kind of musical cue or like the first human cue, as I like to refer to, because there were like two sides of the story that I really wanted to strongly um, relate to musically. And that was the power plant side and the radioactive side and, and that, you know, the radiation as a character. So that was where these factual sounds played a big role. But I think the human element and the tragic side of the story, the grief and loss and the the human error was also a big part of the story that I wanted to tell musically. And to me, the best way to connect to those raw feelings of, of like raw emotions were through my own voice. So the big human element of the score is all my voice and I thought it was also important that it was not only kind of like a beautiful emotional side to how that music was but also some like surreal elements as well because like what's happening for example in 
in this scene is, you know, there's like these families that are gathered on this on this bridge and they're looking at, you know, what, what they feel is like a really um, beautiful scenario with what they think is just like a normal fire. But we, of course, know in reality that this is something really terrifying and there's a sense of surreal kind of beauty, but also terror in the scene. So I thought it was important that 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 was made clear in the music. So that's why the voices have this kind of like a bit of surreal manipulation to them as well. Could you tell us about the queue called Turbine Hall? Turbine Hall is um, that, as the name suggests, like the, a lot of those elements come from the Turbine Hall itself. And those were like elements that were used in a lot of the more like radioactive scenes. There was like a saw in the Turbine Hall, which was kind of musical that played some parts in the other musical cues of the series. Could you tell us about the cue titled The Pump Room? This is also like a, another radioactive cue, and this happens like in the scene, for example, where they're cleaning a car that's kind of like almost like a sci-fi scene where they have all these like gas masks and they're cleaning the car that has just been close to that disaster and they have all this like aluminium voice <laughs> on the car. And this cue was used and these sounds that are kind of like these pulsing sounds were also used to connect to like this kind of pulsing radioactive danger. Could you tell us about the queue titled Evacuation? Yeah, the evacuation, that is, as the name suggests, it was the scene where they're evacuating Pripyat. Um, so that was like a long sequence where um, all the people in the town are being gathered and driven out of the town. And there was like this, uh, this piece was used there. That was like a musical emotional cue. So, so again, that was um, my voice. That was like the strong uh, element in that track. In other words, it was again just these uh, radioactive instruments. Now your next project is Joker, 
What attracted you to that project? How was that to work on? Well, that was wonderful to work on. It was very different, of course. And I was working on both projects pretty simultaneously. And that character, of course, plays such a big part in anybody's childhood that's born in the 80s, <laughs> like, like I am. So it's definitely a character that you have a very strong connection with culturally because he's just such an interesting villain, you know, so playful and multidimensional. And then when uh, I was approached to work on the film with Todd, when he uh, sent me the script and asked if I was interested in reading it and then creating some music from my feeling of the script, it was, it really grabbed me from the start, the story, because it was a side to this character that I hadn't really imagined before and that I hadn't seen before in any other of the Batman films. And it was like a side of him that I really emphasized with and felt for and with quite strongly. So yeah, so I created some music just from after reading a script and, and Todd was really connected with my sense of musicality for what he wanted to say so it was really clear that we were like very much in agreement with what the story should sounded like to both of us so we were like really excited to work on it together from the very beginning so those like early demos and that early music became like the main themes that that stuck throughout the whole process and and they used a lot of those themes for the shooting of the film so a lot of the film was shot to this music which was a really fun process because then the whole project really grew together in a strong dialogue that had been ongoing for so long. So a lot of the tempo and the feel and the uh, movements of the film come from like the, the tempo of the music. Could you describe the music a bit? Well, it's a, it's a bit more fictional than Chernobyl, so it's not as factual music. <laughs> to go with a fictional story being told, I felt like I had a bit more... Um, I, of course, compared these two projects together because I was <laughs> working on them at the same time. Right. <laughs> so I, I felt like I had a bit more space to make up my own world for this character. I didn't need to be as honest and as uh, respectful of any real people and events that they had gone through. But so it was a bit more of a playful, fictional approach. I guess the music is a little bit more traditional scoring, like it has instruments for one, <laughs> one thing. It has uh, an orchestra and, and uh, more like melodies and themes. So it's a bit more fictional. What was it like working with Todd? Oh, it was great. It was really wonderful. We were just in really strong agreement of the story that was being told from the beginning. And, and that's it's just such a great way to start a collaboration and a, and a dialogue. You know, you're trying to say the same thing. That definitely really helps as a, as a start. He was just, uh, gave me a lot of space and a lot of trust. Like he was, he was really open to my interpretations of scenes and, and feelings. And it was a great dialogue that we had, I think. We had a wonderful music editor as well, who was a big part of the connection between uh, Berlin and LA. So he was, you know, a really great person to collaborate with as well. Jason Ruder, his name is. So we just like all together, it was it was a really lovely and creative experience. Would you tell us about yourself? You're from Iceland. How did you get your start in the business? Yes, that's a good question. Yes, I am from Iceland. And I have played music since before I can remember. So music has always been a very, very big part of my daily life. And it was like the, the normal thing to do in my family was music. So it seemed like the natural, normal thing to do <laughs> when I was growing up. 
And I've always really liked storytelling. And I, I used to work in theater a lot when I still lived in Iceland. And I kind of just accidentally started working in film about 15 years ago. And it was always just from the storytelling side and, and an interest of music as a part of a story. So I've never really been very interested in the business side of like the film industry as such. So I've, I've, I never really meant to be a film composer as, <laughs> as such. It kind of just happened very slowly and, and very gradually over the course of the last 15 years. So I guess I started working mostly in European productions, Danish productions, Icelandic, and then some people that I had a strong working relationship with started venturing into these like bigger American productions. And yeah, I, I sort of just floated into that with them, I guess. Now, you also played the cello on films such as The Revenant and Arrival. Do you play on your own scores as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. The cello has always been a very strong part of my creative voice and has been a really good companion in my musical expression. So it's uh, tagged along into a lot of film scores. But interestingly, I tend to play cello more in other films than my own <laughs> which is a little bit strange maybe but um for the joker i came back to the cello and it felt natural for the cello to be a part of that storytelling so it was nice to come back to it after a bit of a cello break it was nice to have my old buddy back is there a genre or type of film that you would like to do next for some reason i tend to have an easier way to express myself within the kind of darker genre. So I connect, you know, my, my music is often associated with like the kind of darker side of things. So romantic comedy, for example, is is not really like a genre that I <laughs> that I I connect to very well, <laughs> which is maybe in contrast to my own personality because as you can probably hear like I, I really like to laugh a lot and I'm generally like not a very dark person but somehow like I gravitate towards um, the darker sides of the emotional landscape in my uh, creation so I guess if I'd have to pick a genre it would just be you know the <laughs> <laughs> the the dark side, <laughs> the dark okay. side of the moon. I don't know. <laughs> but I try to, I try at the same time. I try to not get stuck in any one way of composing, and I try to not, you know, get stuck in any one method or any one genre or any, you know. I try to approach every project with with an open mind and, and open ears, and uh, see what it can get from me to be brought into the world. Okay, it was so nice to talk with you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.